I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. can't be underestimated how intertwined the oak and the wine are in the Rioja wine region. Spain has a long history of winemaking dating back thousands of years, but amphoras and animal skins were the primary vessels for fermentation and transport until about 250 years ago. In 1786, a wealthy priest named Manuel Quintano spent time in Bordeaux evaluating how winemaking differed there than in Spain. And he brought back, among other things, techniques of oak aging, fining, and racking. He believed that by racking and fining, you removed particles that contributed to the wine's ability to go bad. A fined and racked wine could age longer and be more travel-worthy. His family began using the techniques he recommended, but they didn't become widespread until after his death. By the late 1800s and early 1900s, very large oak casks were the norm in Rioja. These huge wooden tanks often stood on stilts, and in the event of a stuck fermentation, a small fire lit underneath could help move things along. You can still see such vessels on display at La Rioja Alta. The oak tanks were large enough for a few people to climb in from the top, making them easy to clean, and they were built for long-term use. Over time, tartrates were meant to build up on the inside, forming a thick, insulary layer, preventing oxidation and the imparting of wood flavors. These gigantic wooden tanks can still be seen all over Rioja. A few bodegas, such as Lopez de Heredia, still use these large wooden tanks. Some of them are several generations old. But for most of the older bodegas, today they are kept primarily as relics, and they've been replaced by stainless steel fermenters and concrete tanks. The large wood fermenters were not easily transportable, so wine would have been moved to bota bags for transport until the 1700s when smaller oak barrels became the shipping vessel of choice for this region. And once the railroad came to Aro in 1880, winemakers had an outlet to sell more wine, and barrels were a compact and sturdy way to get wine from point A to point B. 
the wine industry bustled to the point where wineries needed to hire their own coopers to keep up with the oak barrel demands. In Spain, you'll still find wineries with large production employing in-house coopers. At Viña Real, for instance, the oak needs are tremendous, and by the time they finish racking the supply, they'll need to start over again, making racking a full-time job. Depending on how long the wine ages, the liquid may be racked into a few different barrels over the course of its elevage. Sometimes the barrels will be different types or ages, contributing to the complexity of the wine. Before the estate bottling era, oak barrels would ship much of the wine, but in the 1900s, a shift in perception occurred. Before this period, the larger wooden fermenting vessels were seen as permanent winery structures, while smaller barrels were good for short-term racking use and ultimately for use as shipping vessels. But later, when mechanically produced bottles became cheap and efficient means of shipping liquid, smaller oak barrels also came to be seen as permanent winery objects for in-house use. Barrels lost their export function after the age of industrialization and became useful for racking, storing, and as flavoring agents. The flavor of oak is largely determined by its provenance and species. French oak has different flavors than smaller-grained American oak, and depending on how these oaks are priced in the market, you'll find different periods of popularity for certain oaks. When Quintano first studied Bordelais' techniques, he sourced French oak from similar sources of his Bordeaux contacts. But later fluctuations in the market led to a shift towards American oak. Today you'll find a mix of both, and other types of oak too, in Rioja wineries. This shift in perception is an interesting example of when function becomes form, when the use of an object becomes obsolete and the object takes on a different role. Oak is so integrated in wine culture, in so many wine regions, that its use is written into many Appalachian laws. In Rioja, what determines the difference between a crianza and a Gran Reserva will be the length of time it spends in oak. Now there's a little bit more to it than that. Wineries will, of course, generally divert their best crops to their Gran Reservas, so the difference in perceived quality is a little bit more involved than just pointing to oak aging. But in less than three centuries, a major shift in what defines quality has occurred. And a large part of this shift has happened due to the uses of oak and the nuances of the oak industry. There's one Rioja winery that's been around long enough to watch the evolution of the barrel in Rioja. Stay tuned to hear more from this historic winery. Sustainability has never been more important, and DM is at the forefront of environmental responsibility. Having set a new standard in the world of closures, DM not only excels in the quality of its technological cork closures, but also demonstrates an incredible commitment to caring for the environment. DM has taken steps to significantly reduce its carbon footprint, embracing green electricity and renewable energy in its factories. By 2025, they aim to reduce their direct emissions from energy and processing by 55%. Their sustainable closure solution, Origine by DM, combines natural cork with a binding agent composed of 100% bio-based materials and a beeswax emulsion, a successful testament to DM's commitment to eco-friendly 
practices. Diem has pioneered a responsible and long-term vision for cork forests, playing a crucial role in sequestering hundreds of thousands of tons of CO2 each year. Planting thousands of new cork trees, Diem actively contributes to sustaining our planet's natural resources, and that is something we all benefit from every day. Diem doesn't just offer technically advanced cork closures, they also lead in environmental responsibility. Learn more about DM's commitment at dm-closures.com forward slash I-D-T-T. That's D-I-A-M-closures with an S dot com forward slash I-D-T-T for more information. Dalmau Sebrian Sagariga on the show. Yeah, exactly. Long name. Long <laughs> name. Levy. From Marcus de Marietta. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm great. Just uh, just arrived from Spain, from Rioja, and happy, happy to be here in New York. Wonderful city. So your family owns two wineries? Uh, yes, uh, Levy. We own two wineries in the north of Spain. Uh, one is based in Galicia, northwest of Spain, on top of Portugal, a winery uh, based in white wines. I'm sure that you heard about the Albariño grape. A winery that has been together with us since 1511. A nice state, not very big, around uh, 40 acres, all planted with this grape, Albariño, uh, in a nice valley called Salnes Valley, inside a wine region called uh, Rias Baisas house from 1511, and we built a new winery like 20 years ago. Uh, really, really tiny production. And the second the second winery is in a well-known wine region, that is Rioja, next to uh, the Basque area, next to uh, Bordeaux, in the north of Spain also. And there we own this uh, project, a project that was founded in 1852, First wines of Rioja were Marques de Morrieta wines, and there our state is, is larger. It's uh, 800 acres, 800 acres in Rioja Alta. You know, uh, Rioja is divided in three areas. One is uh, Rioja Alta, the one I said. Rioja Alavesa is the Basque area of Rioja, and the uh, Rioja Baja, the most southern part of Rioja. We are based in Rioja Alta just in the, uh, in the middle of this big, large state, the largest state in Rioja, one single unique parcel, really unique state where you could see vines from um, average vines there are, have uh, 50 years old, but you could see um, vines from uh, 100 years, vines that we uh, day by day look after them. We are one of the only wineries where all our grapes are our own. Uh, we don't buy any grape, we don't buy any wine. Uh, we are the only winery levy concentrating in the production of Reserva and Grande Reserva wines. No Crianzas, no young wine. So just concentrating premium, premium wines and the high end. So this is what we am doing, what we are doing, what I'm doing in Spain. Two wineries as I said, based in the north of Spain, 
And Marcus Demirieta is basically the first producer of Rioja, along with Riscal. Exactly. The first wines, first wines were made by uh, one guy called Luciano de Murrieta, the founder of this winery, a uh, guy who studied for uh, three years in Bordeaux, in France, everything about wine, and he was the one who brought the French techniques to uh, Rioja. Uh, when I talk about French technique, is the aging of the wine in barrel, aging of the wine in bottle before they are released. He was the first. The fresh wines are from 1848. He sent his first wines to the export market, to South America in 1851. And he received wonderful news from Mexico, from Cuba, telling him that the wine traveled in perfect conditions and that the wine was really good in terms of quality. So he decided in 1852 to really begin this project. That's why we say that uh, this year, 1852, was the first year of Marques de Murrieta. This winery has been always in his family's hand until 1983, when my father decided to buy it, to buy the uh, the property, the uh, winery, the wines, and as I said, coming from Galicia, and it was a great change for the family. My father was uh, felt in love with this winery, with these wines. My father um, uh, died and 20 years ago, really, really young, Levy, when he was uh, just 47 years old. And since then, since uh, 1996, I've been looking after both projects since I was uh, really, really young. I was 25 years old. Happy that my father decided one day to jump into Marques de Murrieta. Happy that my family has been always next to wine. I'm a wine lover. So I'm totally in love with this world. Totally in love. What do you think attracted your father to the Marques de Murrieta estate and property? I think several things. Uh, My father was already involved in wine in Galicia. I think that uh, was a pity that he left Asked too soon because I would love. There were many questions in my mind to ask him, uh, but I'm sure that he loved the uh, the history of this winery. And one day he had a that wonderful, how you said in English, decision to say yes, I want this winery. He bought it, and since then the whole family is really, really, really happy. Really, really happy. My father was also involved in other companies, but he was totally in love with wine, and 80 percent of his time was wine, wine, wine. Yeah. So, but he was really attracted and he really felt in love with this project in, in Rioja. There was a fair amount of revitalization that he started at the property. Yeah, That's when he arrived there in 1983, the uh, situation of this company, of this winery, was not the ideal situation. The family uh, didn't invest in the last 20, 25 years so um, he decided to make a huge investment in the state. We planted more vineyards. Uh, he invested a lot of money in the winery, but especially, especially he traveled and traveled and traveled. I began to work with him when I was 17, Levy. He decided that I needed to study and work at the same time. This was not easy. It was not easy. I remember that was not easy. When I was 17, he decided that I was going to become the new export manager. So his work, together with my work, uh, 
promoting the wines around the world, make that, that Murrieta, let's say, return again to the uh, first league. I don't know if you have this word here in the U.S., in Spain, in Europe. When you talk about soccer, about football, you, you talk about first league, second league. When you're in the first league, that means that you are one of the top, top players of that league. So after his investment and after the uh, history of, of this, the long history of this winery, Marquez de Moreta went back to this first league. What was your dad like as a person? He was a really honest, honest person, hard work person, serious guy, responsible, a guy that really uh, created a solid family. I had three sisters younger than me, but he created a wonderful uh, uh, atmosphere in this family, a family that was uh, work day by day in our projects. And as I said, uh, very uh, enthusiastic. When, when he uh, died, and it was not easy for me, Levy, to be in by my own Jazz with 25 and being responsible of a really important project. But I discovered that uh, since I began to work with him when I was 17, I discovered that all this, this uh, philosophy, this way of being he transmitted me was inside my body. So when I was alone, I began to uh, breathe all the things he showed me. Very special guy. I always, every single week, day, week, month, year, remembered him. I imagine that some people in a similar situation might have sold the winery. Young guy, all of a sudden it's on you to take care of. What was going through your mind? What was important to you at the time? That moment, first of all, the uh, the memory of my father was in my in my mind. I wanted to continue with this project, with both projects, because of of him. And at the same time, at the same time, was a challenge for me. I, I worked together with him for eight years. So it was also a challenge for me that let's show to me, let's show to my family, let's show to uh, all the people that it's around me that I'm able to do this, that I'm stronger enough to uh, continue with all these projects. It was not easy, or not easy, Debbie, because I was young. It was not easy uh, to see that everyone was... Um, looking at you day by day and 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 they were really controlling let's say into brackets controlling you not easy but with the effort with work uh, many hours of work at the end results were there and now i'm sure that many people that, that at the beginning had some doubts about me about the future of this project now it's let's say calm to see that one of the key wineries of Spain is now in, in, in good hands, let's say that, in good hands. And when I say good, I'm not telling you that I'm, I'm the best. But I say good that I'm, as my father was, uh, serious, honest. And I think that honesty in life is very important, but in wine it's important. And it's something that you always see when you taste a wine. This wine is honest, it's not honest. I think that nature offers us every single vintage a wonderful, wonderful product that is grapes. And the only thing you need to do is offer to a market, to your client, what nature did and trying to do a, a, an honest work at the winery, trying to show you the market, what exactly nature 
that soil you have, that state you have, it's offering to you every single day. What did you see as your first projects? The first two years, three years, my um, target was just to watch, to watch. I, of course, I work day by day, but it's, I didn't, I really didn't create any uh, project, any strategy, long-term strategy. At the beginning, I, I just, I just balanced myself as a human being, as a winery owner. I saw how the uh, my father's team was working. How I spoke with the wine, I spoke with the um, with the vineyards, with the vines, and after this two three years, I began a new project, a new project at the winery, at both wineries, and this project was um, was to really maintain the identity of both projects. But my challenge was to update both both projects all the wines in, inside these two projects. So the first thing I did is I create, create a new team working with me, a young team that uh, had the um, same feeling of what I wanted to do. Uh, really, really young people, people that we were 26 years old, 27 years old, that in one way that was... Um, how do you say, um, surprise to see a, a wineries with more than 100 years old in hands of really young people. People or team that was uh, really going to respect this identity, was going to respect the history of both wineries. But the only thing that we wanted is to add youth in these two projects. New team, new project for the wines, for the uh, wine that we we already had, or we already been producing for years, wines like Marques de Murrieta, Reserva Red, Castillo y Gai Red, or uh, the white Marques de Murrieta. With these three wines, we uh, began a process to update, update the, the style of the wines. How so? I mean, what did you do? First thing we did is after our conversation with the state, with the, with the vines, we, the, we really selected which grapes were going to go to each wine. We were totally obsessed in looking for a more balance between fruit and oak. Rioja levis, it's well known because of the uh, long aging in oak. And sometimes this means uh, less fruit in the wine. Wines that are released after a long, long period of oak, of aging in oak. Uh, we were not so happy with this. We wanted to balance oak and fruit. We offered to the wines less time in oak. We changed, uh, not drastically, we changed a bit the oak, offering to the wine uh, new oak at the beginning. We were not used to age wines in new oak at Marques de Morreta, and especially at Rioja, I said. And we decided to change a bit all our barrels. At this moment, 40% of our 12,000 barrels is new oak. So we, we balance this new oak with age, uh, older oak. Looking for this, uh, we're looking for fruit presence in the wine, looking for a subtle oak, well-integrated oak, but looking for this, this fruit and oak balance. 
We uh, we were obsessed in looking for elegance, 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 elegance. We were obsessed in looking for a, a balanced acidity in the wine, looking for um, sweet, rounded, silky tannins. So with this philosophy, uh, we worked with these three wines. This was not done in one year. We needed seven, six, seven years to really transform all the wines. Always, always maintaining our identity, our, our, our soul. And then at the same time, I created some, some new wines that could accompany this traditional classic, classic wines. Uh, and this new wine was called Dalmao. After you, your uh, name. Yeah, my name. The thing is that I needed time to transform all these wines. So I didn't want to rush with this. It was a long process. So I decided together with this, at the beginning when my, my father died, and this was uh, 15 years ago, to create a new style, totally different. Uh, wine, a more uh, modern Rioja. Now they're beginning to call this type of wine, as in Italy, the super Riojas, more concentration, uh, more alcohol, still elegant. We blend some grapes there that before were blended into Marques de Murrieta. And uh, this wine, Dalmao, we blend Tempranillo, the most important grape in Rioja. And in our state, nearly 85% of our grape in, in Iga is Tempranillo. We blend it with a, a grape, famous grape in Rioja called Graciano, a, a grape that you can just find it in Rioja where we are now investing in that grape and planting more Graciano and more Graciano. Uh, this Graciano offers to the wine a levy and a lot of tannins, acidity, uh, wonderful fresh uh, nose. So we offer to this new wine, Dalmao, uh, the uh, classic Tempranillo, Tempranillo that was an 80-year-old Tempranillo, 80, 80. We add a, a six, five, six percent of Graciano, and then we add uh, a grape that was planted in the Igai state since uh, 1950. It was a, a very short production of Cabernet Sauvignon that, as you know, it's, a, it's forbidden in Rioja in the sense that it's not a native grape. But we were allowed to have a, this, this small production. We just produced uh, 3,000 kilograms of this grape. So I decided to offer this grape an exclusive basis to this wine, to this Dalmao. We worked for uh, four years with this wine. And at the end, we found the correct blending. For the first time in the history of Murrieta, of Marques de Murrieta, we aged this wine in French oak. Always Murrieta has been next to uh, American oak. So for the first time, we move into French oak, new French oak. For the first time, we offered to this wine less time in oak. Uh, Murrieta, the old classic styles of Murrieta spent in oak minimum four, five years. We offered to this wine less than two years' time, 18 months, 19 months, looking for this balance between fruit and oak. A uh, wine that was bottled and it was released six months after that, no more, trying to offer it to the market a really new concept. So apart from the uh, uh, apart from um, 
as I said, transforming, updating all the other the, the wine that we were working with them since 1852. We released the new style. And uh, we began to send with this wine, Dalmao. And that's why I, 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 I decided to put my name in, the, in, the, in this wine, because it was going to help me to send a message to the market that something was happening inside the winery, that there was a new captain, young captain, inside the winery, and a captain that wanted to do uh, new things inside the winery and wanted to uh, create the next 100 years of a really classic winery as Marquez de Murrieta. It was a long, long process, and now, after 20 years, it is consolidated, and now wines um the last vintages you could see from our, our winery, 2010 Marques de Murrieta, 2010, our white, that is called uh, Capelania, or the Castillo de Gai 05, 07. So you could see now the real, the real new era of our wines, and together with it, you could see this wine, Dalmao, offering a, a new concept of Rioja. And at the same time, in Galicia, we did the same. We were producing a, a, an Albariño that we was also updated. And at the same time, we decided, the same as Dalmao, we decided to create a, another wine in Galicia called La Contes, a wine that was the, for the first time in Rias Baisas, in of course in our winery, but in the whole Rias Baisas appellation, was the first wine fermented in oak and aged in oak. Albariño hates uh, wood, wood hates Albariño. So the challenge was how we are going to balance these two things, this fruit, this grape with, with oak. We stood nine years with this project, and after nine years uh, working and investing in this project, uh, we, uh, we decided that uh, French oak was the best oak for this Albariño, and just one year of oak was enough to balance both fruit and oak. And at the end, after this nine years of work, the, we made the Albariño and oak friends. Yeah. So apart from the updating of a Pazo de Barrantes Albariño, the young Albariño, we created the same as in Rioja del Mau, this wine, La Contesse. So you got rid of Crianza. You, don't, you decided to stop making the Crianza category and you introduced Dalmau. That's you know, it's a wine that goes to the market earlier, but it's in a very different style than what you'd think of as a Crianza wine. Yes, as you said, Levy, in the history of Marques de Murrieta, there always been a Crianza. Crianza, there are wines that spend less time in oak, a minimum of one year in oak, and minimum of two years inside the winery. I decided to forget about these wines, and I decided to concentrate our offer our production just in wines with a longer time of aging in oak and in bottle. This is called Reservas. And to concentrate all the concept of Gran Reserva in, the, in our, in our well-known brand, our icon, Castillo y Gai, and concentrate all, all our knowledge uh, in these two wines. I think that we are when we are well-known around the world of uh, how Marques de Murrieta aged wines in oak. So this is part of our strength. So I decided to concentrate our strength in this philosophy and try to send a very clear, uh, 
and direct message to the market, Marques de Moreda, is this. Four wines, all aged for a long time in oak, where you could see this balance between fruit and oak. But that's something that I, I, I wanted when I began this to be um, the boss or the captain in this uh, project. Uh, I decided to send this clear, clean message to the market. One wine, one style, one label, one style. You know that in, in Rioja, in Spain, you could see the same name, the same brand, with different styles of wine. You could see, uh, I'm not going to tell you any brand, but you could see the same brand with Jam Wine, Crianza, Reserva, and Gran Reserva, and sometimes a fifth wine with the same brand, the same name. I decided, no, I want people to think that Marques de Moreta is just one style of wine, Castilla is just one style of wine, Dalma is just one style of wine. I don't want, with the same name, three different style of wines. So I decided to forget about Crianzas and, and, and Jam Wines, and I created this new style called Dalmao, uh, that is also sold under the back label Reserva. But I decided to forget about all these Crianzas. Last Crianza, also called Etiqueta Blanca, as you said in our, our offer, was uh, 1982. Uh, so since 1983, everything was out of this concept of crianzas. So your father purchased what is known as the Igai estate, and you make a wine called Igai. And what is that like? Igai, the name of the state, it's called Igai. The first building is a castle, and the name of the building is Castillo Igai. Castillo means a chateau, a chateau Igai. And the first wine that was created there was called Chateau Igai. In 1917, this name was moved into Castillo Igai. Castillo Igai, it's made every single year, but it's not released every single year. We just release this wine when we think it's really special, really unique. These wines are coming from the highest area, in our state, in the Igai state, around uh, 550 meters of altitude, and coming from a, an 85-year-old Tempranillo, basically this wine is always between an 80 and a 90% of this grape, and is blended with a really special uh, grape that is, is Mazuelo. Mazuelo is uh, Carignan, and Rioja, it's called a Mazuelo. And it's a unique grade that offers to the wine really high acidity. And this is important, as you know, Levy, when you create wines that they are going to uh, live in barrel for, or stay in barrel or age in barrel for a long time. And wines that are left in bottle for a long, long period of time. This grape offers this acidity. And this means freshness, and this means longevity. The Mazuelo that is we are offering to this wine is a 75-year-old Mazuelo uh, with very, very low yields. I'm talking about one bunch, two bunches maximum per vine. Uh, we do a green cutting in summer. Looking for the uh, really uh, unique style and quality. A grape that is harvested at the end, 
I'm talking about end of October, November. A grape mazuelo and the tempranillo that both are uh, fermented by its own in stainless steel, in small tanks of stainless steel, uh, a tempranillo that is aged in uh, American oak for a minimum of three years, new oak at the beginning, always, let's say, 10 months, eight between eight to one year in new oak. And then this wine is jumped, is racked into an older barrel. And the mazuelo that is uh, it's, uh, aged in this new era that we spoke before is aged in new French oak at the beginning. And again, it's moved, is racked into an older barrel, French oak, after months in barrel. After this, uh, both grapes, when we decide the, the blending, are moved into concrete for one year, trying to look for their total, um, you call it, um, balance. And after this year in concrete, uh, wine is bottled, and we leave it for a minimum, always, always a minimum of three years in bottle before its release. And after this minimum time, we decided if the wine is going to stay more time in bottle or we release it, okay? We are now we are now selling here the 05 vintage. We are jumping in some months to 07 vintage. So it's not easy, Levy, to see a winery that is releasing wines after 10 years inside the winery. I'm going to tell you a, a secret now that just you and me are here, okay? And it's uh, soon we will release uh, a Castillo Igai white wine. I was talking about the uh, red wines that we've been working always in the history of a winery. We've always been producing white wines. I know that Rioja is not really well known because of the whites. It's more known because of the reds. But you guys made a big investment in the Capilania white. Exactly, but we've always been there since the beginning. So we are well known, the Murrieta red wines and white wines, and really special white wines because they are white wines aged for a long time in oak. So always in our in our in our in our history, we've been uh, creating Castillo de Gai white that spanned minimum minimum twenty twenty two years in oak. We will release a nineteen eighty six levy nineteen eighty six white Castillo de Gai after twenty two years in American oak. Twenty two years in American oak, coming from a grape called Viuda. Viura is a Macaveo, you call it here Macaveo, the same grape, and is the most important white grape in Rioja. I insist that whites are very, it's, it's a very, very small percentage in Rioja. After being 15 years without any Castillo de Gai in the market, 15, last Castillo de Gai was 1970, we returned to this style and we will release 1986. Wines with a wonderful golden color, with a unique nose, really complex nose, with so many, many uh, things in that you could find in this nose, uh, honey, almonds, flowers, fruit balanced with oak. This oak, this 22 years in oak, I'm not talking about a young, young new oak. No, I'm talking about really old barrels 40, 50 old barrels that the inside is full of tartrates. 
So it's like a huge bottle, and there's not oxygen passing through. No? So that's pretty exciting, actually, that the, it's going to be a revitalization of a historical white Rioja. You don't see so many. I mean, you see some more modern style white Rioja. You see Lopez, of course, in the mm. traditional idiom. But I feel like a lot of people kind of abandon the genre. I think that uh, Murrieta, uh, we, from our view, we, we are obliged. We are obliged to maintain this uh, this style and we are i feel like we are part of the history of these wines and i think that being part of the history we are obliged uh, as i said to you to maintain the style of the wine so that's why we've been working and working the last year so it's like i don't know i mean i'm i'm pressured by history and for many years, many clients have been asking, what are you going to do with, you remember the old Castillo de Guy White, are you going to release it? It's been a secret until today. Why? Because it was a challenge for us, and we were not really, uh, we were not really uh, sure that we could create the same quality as, as before. It's, it was a challenge it's a personality, this wine, and let's see if you like it. A part that uh, people uh, could understand this style, because it's, it's a unique style. The only problem here is that the uh, production is very, very tiny, very small. I guess it makes sense that a family from Galicia that had a history making white wine would appreciate the white wine potential of a region even when the rest of Rioja was largely abandoning that potential. There wasn't so much investment in white wines from Rioja at the time that you decided to reinvest yeah, in Catalonia. Yeah, in Galicia. In Galicia, we were, uh, we were we'd always been next to the young Albariño, creating these young Albariños. In some way, Levi, our style of Albariño, Paso de Barrantes, is not the same as the rest uh, because we try to offer the, to the Albariño. We are not just looking to after a fresh, fruity white wine. It's a serious, deep, well-structured Albariño. Uh, we are one of the only uh, wineries working for a minimum of four months with the, how do you call it, with the lease, trying to offer to the wine more muscle, more structure. So we've been always next to these, these young wines, We'd always seen the potential of the whites from Marques de Murrieta, potential of wines being aged in oak. So we were, oh, my father was totally in love with that. We jumped there. We continue with that project. Uh, as you said, we invested a lot of money in this Capellania wine and trying to maintain the identity of our old style of whites, but trying to show what could be, uh, could be the new era of these uh, whites. And that's why after... This knowledge with the uh, balance of white grapes or white wines and barrels and oak, we decided to bring this philosophy to Galicia. And as, as I said before to you and create this new concept called La Contes, the Paso de, Mar de Barrantes, offering this balance between Albariño grape and French oak. In terms of growing the grapes and then handling them on the production side, how does Viura contrast or compare to Albariño? First thing in terms of, um, I think that there are two totally different grapes, totally different yields per hectare. Yields per hectare of Albariño, it's around uh, 12,000 kilograms. In Rioja, 
Viura, we are talking about 7,000 kilograms. So almost half. Like almost half. I really don't believe in the Viura when it's young. Why? Because it's a grape that is not offering you so much. Uh, nothing to do with the Albariño. It's not fruit driven. No, exactly. Uh, you don't have a lot of fruit. It's neutral. It's not offering you a lot. But when this Viura is aged in barrel, in oak, this makes the difference. Because you, from this barrel and after some time in bottle, you obtain a wine that is really complex, really elegant, a wine that is it's a gastronomy wine, it's a sommelier wine, because it's a wine that you could match with so many different kinds of food. It's a wine that needs some fat, eh? a food with fat like ham, like codfish, like suckling pig. Uh, cheese is wonderful, this wine. So it's nothing to do Albariño and Viura, but both of them are offering in different moments really attractive things. Albariño when it's young, Viura when it's aged for a long time in barrel and in bottle. You age the Albariño a great deal on the lees, but does Viura and lees, does that work well or is it different? Yes. Same. Yeah, same. Exactly the same. What we try to create in both wines are serious, well-structured wine, uh, wines that have a big muscle wines, wines that could last for many years in the bottle. Of course, each wine, in each wine you could see this this high balance acidity. You see that I use the word high and balance because sometimes you could see high acidity, but it's not balance. And I feel that balance, the same as in life, is really important in wine. And you have acidity in these wines, uh, it's incredible now to taste a uh, 20-year-old Albariño from Pazo de Barrantes or to taste a open levy a bottle of um, Castillo Igai two weeks ago, 1946, 1946 Castillo Igai white. And the bottle was incredible. Uh, the evolution of these wines in bottle are unique. Uh, you, because of the acidity, the, the, of the freshness that you could see in the wines, the long aging in oak, you'd see a high, a well-structured wine that if it's kept in perfect conditions, uh, you could see that these wines are, for me, my favorite white wines in the world. So a lot of times when people talk about Tempranillo-based wines, or especially when they're made along classic lines, they talk about long aging wines that hit a plateau of aging and stay in that plateau for a long time. Mm. Is that true for the white as well? It's true for the white, for the Viura, really true for the Viura. And as you know, there are some wines apart from our wine in Rioja that you could see how Viura could last for many, many years when it's been aged in oak, okay? When it's been aged in oak. Uh, you were talking about Tempranillo, and I think that Tempranillo is already, uh, already uh, demonstrated. It's been demonstrated that Tempranillo after been aged in oak and in bottle for many, many, many years. The evolution of this grape in bottle is unique. It's wonderful. There are a few producers who use a percentage of Graciano, either small or large, but there's not so many producers in Rioja really focusing in on addition of Mazuelo. What really caused you to make that decision? Uh, Rioja is a large, large wine region. We're talking about between 400 to 450 millions, millions of kilograms per year. This means more or less 400 million of bottles per year 
are produced in Rioja. Not every single grape in Rioja is owned by wineries. And in really an important percentage of this grape, you could say 70%, 75%, it's owned by grape growers and it's owned by cooperatives. So this means that the quality that the grapes is not controlled by wineries. So at the end, these grapes that you said, Graciano, Mazuelo, grapes that they are, they are from Rioja, but they are not really ideal for grape growers or for cooperative to look after them. Why? Because they are hard. They're difficult to grow them up. Why? Because a Mazuelo, for example, it's always really sensitive to uh, diseases, always problems with Mazuelo, Graciano exactly the same. So they prefer to produce Tempranillo, that is a strong grape, offering alcohol, offering yields. And these grape growers, cooperatives, concentrate in Tempranillo and offer Tempranillo to many, many of these wineries. In Igai, this is different. We control our, our vineyards, we control our, our grapes. So for many years, many years, we've been next to these small grapes small in terms of quantities, Graciano and Mazuelo, because we think that these grapes offer a lot of complexity to our wines and offer really attractive things to our wines. As I said before, uh, Graciano and Mazuelo offers um, high acidity to the wines, offer tannins to the wines. And I feel and that now with this climate changed, these grapes are really, really important. You need that as Yeah, exactly. So it's really, really important to uh, maintain them in your state. Not just maintain them. We, the last uh, 40 acres we planted, it's all Mazuelo and Graciano. So we are really investing in these two grapes because of the complexity that this wine, these grapes offer to the wine, but especially be because of this acidity that is offering to the wine. And when you when you create uh, wines that are they're going to be aged for a long time in, in oak, a long time in bottle, you need this acidity. You demand this acidity. So hard to see them in Rioja. Just those who control the vineyard still maintain these, these grapes. Uh, apart from this, we in Igai, in Murrieta, apart from maintaining them, we are investing day by day in these grapes. So all our wines now have or Graciano or Mazuelo apart from Tempranillo. Marques de Murrieta wines, the Reserva, it's basically uh, Tempranillo, 80% of Tempranillo. And then we blend this Tempranillo with these grapes, Graciano, Mazuelo. And it's the only red wine, Levy, that we are adding Garnacha, Garnache, red Garnache. Small percentage, 3%, 4% trying to offer to the wine more fruit, more color to the wine. Uh, and this is the only wine that offers Carnazza. Remember I told you Dalmao offering Tempranillo, Graciano, and Cabernet Chimignon, and Castillo de Gai, Tempranillo, and just Mazuelo. So these grapes are really, mm, I could say, not the key grapes, because Tempranillo is really important, but that's, they're the grapes that really uh, make our wines distinctive and unique, these grapes. What should I understand about the Igai Estate Vineyard? I mean, is it at different elevations? Is mm. it at different exposures? Or is that more uniform? Or Igai, Igai Estate, it's uh, 800 ac acres. I'm now talking acres. 
800 hectare would be uh, pretty amazing. It's a biddy. It's a biddy. It's 800 hectare. We make a lot. One day, one day, one day, <laughs> yeah. we will go one day. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to see it. Uh, 800 acres in different altitudes, different valleys, different plots, of course, different uh, grapes, as I said to you before, basically uh, different soils. You could see the, um, you call it a chalky clay, basically, with a lot of uh, river stones, different soils, uh, different altitudes, different uh, aging of the vines. I could say that the average age is uh, 40 years old, more or less, but you could find in, inside the guide 100-year-old vines, the whites, the viura, viura that is going to Capellania and to Castillo, the age of this viura is it. 90, 99 year old. So you see the oldest one in the side of the guy. Yeah? The old vine that we are planting now will not be part of our project until they are minimum 10, 12 years. So what we do is, or we, um, we uh, harvest them and we see, and we see how they are, how is the evolution of this grape. And then we sell bulk, you call it, no, we sell them. Or sometimes we sell these grapes when they are young. But minimum, we need 10, 12 years until the uh, the uh, vine is its form. You have wood there. And after that, grapes will jump into Marques de Murrieta wines at the beginning and then in the future to Dalmau, Castillo de Gai, or if we talk about whites, uh, Capellania or Castillo de Gai. So when your father purchased the estate, he also did a lot of revitalization and investment in the winery facility. Yes, um, Big investment done by my father, uh, big investment done by his son, by me. Remember, I told you, new team, new wines, invested in, especially in equipment, in the barrel. And now, nine years ago, we began to update all the winery. It's going to be uh, based in three steps. First step is finished. Uh, we restored the outside of all the winery, the buildings, of all the uh, buildings. It's all made of stone. It's, uh, it's 40,000 square meters. I restore all the buildings. We just began levy an important investment, uh, something like uh, in dollars, it's a 33 million, million investment now in the new winery. We are uh, updating, renewing all the winery, new fermentation area, two different fermentation area, one for the uh, tiny production wines, one for Marques de Murrieta wines, new barrel aging building, new bottling line, uh, new labeling line. This began two months ago, and it will finish end of 2017. This is the second step to update of the winery, the uh, production area. And there's a third step. As soon as we fill all this new winery with all the wines we have in the old winery, the old winery will be transformed into, could be a, a, a guest house. I'm trying, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a small guest house with 20 rooms for all these clients that are coming from different parts of the world that could stay at the winery, could stay next to the vineyard and next to the wine for one, two days. So the total project will be finished for 2020, more or less, 2020. I'm going to be 20 years. It's going to take me 
to update all the winery because the first the first step was too long it was nine ten years because everything was by, made by hand stone by stone by hand so it's been it, it's been crazy in terms of timing it's been crazy in terms of investment and now I have like um, seven more years between the winery and this guest house six years more and meanwhile at the same time updating the winery in Galicia new equipment there also. At the same time, if I could see a nice investment in a key area, wine area of Spain. In a different region. Different region. With the same philosophy, we have own vineyards, small quantities, quality. I could jump into it. I'm not a, I'm not a really looking for one, but I'm open. I'm open that if there's anyone that wants for any reason to, because of family reasons or because any reason to offer it to us, uh, I'm open. I'm open to discuss with them to, uh, I don't know, we could jump into a new, new area. And there are wonderful areas, wine areas in Spain, like in the south of Spain, Jerez, it's wonderful. Or other key um, red wine regions in Spain, like uh, Bierzo, or like Toro, or like Ribera del Duero, nice, nice regions, like I could jump there where other wineries are doing wonderful, wonderful wines. I think that um, Levy Spain is in a great moment now, great moment. I think that we are offering really high-quality wines. I think that in Spain you could see not just quality, you could see many, many different kinds of wines. Wine culture in Spain is really, really um, deep. And you could see something that it's, it's attractive for market like U.S. Dalmau, Sebrian Sagarita's father, invested in a historic winery and encouraged his son to do the same. Thank you very much for being here today. My pleasure. Uh, thank you for your time, Levy. Dalmau, Sebrian Sagarita of Marques de Marietta in Rioja region of Spain, and also in Galicia with Pazo de Barantes. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothat, P-O-D.com which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.